you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Palladino, and today I have a solo episode for you. I'm going to chat with you a little bit about some wisdom I've gained over the years treating tongue ties, recommending release of tongue ties. We're going to talk today about the timing of phrenotomy. Phrenotomy, if you do not know, is the release of a tongue tie, um, release of any frenum. So phrenotomy could be a tongue tie release, a lip tie release. It's the releasing of the frenum. Some people refer to it as a phrenectomy. Same thing. It's release of the frenum or release of that tie that's causing a functional problem or lack of function. Now, I like to say tongue tie release is not always an emergency. I've come to this belief over many years. Have to be honest, when I first learned about tongue tie, it was all about let's hurry up and get this fixed with air quotes, fixed, right? I thought it was urgent. And the longer I practice, the more cases I see, the less urgent it seems to me. So stay tuned, I'm gonna explain why today. I really do feel that this information will be useful to both parents and professionals. Anyone who experiences any of the sides of tongue tie, whether it be a dentist who is performing the procedure or an IBCLC or other lactation professional who is deciding what the right time to refer is, or an SLP who is working with an older child or in conjunction with an IBCLC with a breastfeeding baby. We have to work together. We have to communicate, network, collaborate, to find out the best time, because timing matters. Did you learn about tongue tie in school? I know I didn't. Do you want to have more confidence with the breastfeeding infants that come to your practice? So many of the students of the Pro Guide to Tongue Tie are IBCLCs, CLCs, other lactation professionals, or speech-language pathologists who are looking to gain more knowledge of breastfeeding as it relates to babies with tongue tie. We are really excited when we have SLPs in the course 
because most of the time, SLPs and lactation professionals don't learn together. We also have anyone from a doula to midwives to nurses to physical therapists, occupational therapists. If you are a professional that either already works with breastfeeding families or would like to, think about joining the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. You can learn all about the signs and symptoms of tongue tie, how to assess for tongue tie in the breastfeeding infant, and you can learn my successful protocols. I've been doing this work for over 10 years and I share it all in the Professional's Guide. If you would like to check it out, it's www.tonguetieexperts.net slash professional course. The link is in the show notes. And as always, you can use the code podcast15 for 15% off. I almost forgot to share my favorite part. We have a community growing all around tongue tie and breastfeeding and all aspects of assessment and treatment of tongue tie. If you are a student of the course, you get admission into our group and we have live events. We have a a meetup coming next week on Zoom, of course, and we will be networking and collaborating and talking about cases. We'll be sharing research that we found. It's, It's all about community. So if this sounds like something that you would be interested in, we'd love to have you. Again, it's tonguetieexperts.net slash professional course and use the code podcast15 to get 15% off. Hope to see you in the group. I'd like to talk to you today about a few scenarios that I see pop up in my office practice and experiencing these types of situations is what has changed my practice and caused me to slow down and take my time and get the timing right with the team approach to tongue tie. Often well-meaning hospital workers see an apparent tongue tie and I'll have um, a patient who comes to me, parents who come to me with their baby and say, yes, the baby had a tongue tie, but they snipped it in the hospital. And obviously they're having difficulty with breastfeeding or they wouldn't be in my office, right? So I don't, get any, I don't get to see anybody who's having a grand old time in my office. These are people who are having problems, right? So they come to me and the baby had a tongue tie, but they don't even think that that's the problem because they think it's been taken care of. So what often happens when I examine the baby and assess for tongue mobility, assess for tongue function, assess the breastfeeding, and visualize the oral anatomy, the tongue tie is not an anterior tie any longer, but there is either a mid-position tie or a posterior tie that is continuing to restrict movement. Now, 
let me backtrack in case those of you who are listening may not have heard me ever explain that I sincerely believe and know to be true that tongue-tie assessment, tongue-tie diagnosis is an assessment or diagnosis of function, how it performs, what it can do, what it keeps you from doing. It's not what it looks like. So as you may have noticed, peering under the tongue was the last thing I mentioned because first I want to see how's it all working and symptoms are usually there that there is a functional tongue tie when I've heard that the baby's tongue tie was snipped in the hospital. I hope that I am not offending anyone who performs tongue tie procedures in the hospital. Kudos to you. I have all respect for what you're doing. You feel like you're doing the right thing. You've learned about anterior tie as we all did in school and you wanna help out this baby. But that's often not enough. It's often not enough. So let's get back to this family in my office. What do I do? I typically spend some time educating the family, trying to avail their disappointment because they thought they had been through that tongue tie thing as is often um, expressed to me and educate them about the importance of the team approach show them the signs and symptoms, and we put together a care plan for how to go forward. If you are not familiar with the team approach, one of the earliest episodes of this podcast has a whole explanation of what I mean by the team approach. You can listen to that. And there's also um, an entire episode about the signs and symptoms Or you can go into the show notes and follow the link to the signs and symptoms of tongue tie. Um, And that will be very useful to you in case you are not familiar with them. I don't want to take up your time today going over all the signs and symptoms. As I was reflecting on what I wanted to say and how I wanted to explain why I believe what I believe and why I recommend what I recommend... A concept came into my mind. We want successful outcomes, right? But what is a successful outcome? Is a successful outcome the release of the frenum? Or is a successful outcome breastfeeding that works? Now, I know everybody does not plan to breastfeed, but... Today we're talking about breastfeeding infants and we all know and agree that biologically breastfeeding along with breathing, the suck, swallow, breathe complex is the first function that a human infant needs to accomplish. And when there is difficulty with that first function, we want to remediate that. We want to make it easier. We want to help that baby. So the outcome of tongue-tie treatment is not phrenotomy. The outcome of tongue-tie treatment is successful 
breastfeeding. If we apply that concept to the quick snip in the hospital or the well-meaning and, you know, me in the past observing a frenum, seeing that there's some, you know, the baby's not breastfeeding well, the baby's not gaining, or the mom has some pain, and we run directly to the dentist or other provider for the procedure, we are not guaranteeing or even promising a good outcome. And I'll tell you why. First of all, we have to consider the family as a whole. We have to consider what newborn parents have just been through. The physical, emotional, psychological effects of birth, especially in this country right now, if you're in the United States, I'm not hearing nice things about hospital birth. And please forgive me if you work in the hospital. I used to be a part of the system. I feel justified in talking on it. But there are less and less natural birth, less and less trust in the mother to birth their baby, more and more C-sections, more and more interventions that are leading to C-sections, less opportunity to have choices in labor. And all of this, including epidural anesthesia, interferes with those first beginning times of bonding and infant feeding. Now, family comes out of that, usually a bit traumatized, especially if it was first baby, because they had no idea what they were getting into. And they expected to breastfeed, and no one really told them, and I'm using generalities, that they had to prepare for breastfeeding. Mostly, preparing for breastfeeding means buying things, like buying a pillow or, or um, getting that bottle that you're going to use to feed the baby when you decide to feed the baby, getting the pump that you need um, when you need to supplement. Very few parents actually go to breastfeeding classes or make a relationship with a breastfeeding specialist, a lactation specialist like an IBCLC or other type of professional. So we don't, we don't go into birth prepared for breastfeeding. The baby is here. We, as women who've given birth, have pain, have exhaustion, have emotional trauma sometimes, sometimes physical trauma, um, sometimes a little bit of grief and shock uh, about what just happened to them, and very little support, and the baby's hurting them when they feed, or the baby's not able to extract milk, or the baby's not able to come onto the breast, and they are overwhelmed, right? I see this all the time. And if you're a lactation consultant, you see this. I know you do. Doulas see this. I feel like, and and I'm digressing here, but I feel like things are getting worse. Maybe it's since the COVID shutdown. Um, There are different priorities in the hospital. 
There's less staffing. I don't blame anyone. Um, but it's not, it's not getting better. And we can no longer ignore the fact that the way we birth affects our breastfeeding, right? So if a parent, if a family decided to breastfeed before the birth, baby's born, breastfeeding isn't going well, um, they come to my office or they call me on the phone and they say, what about this tongue tie thing? Um, I don't go right to tongue tie. First, I want to settle all the other things that are going on. And as a lactation consultant, I'm assessing mom's history, history of the birth, history of the pregnancy. Are there any risks for low milk supply? What do we have to do to stabilize milk supply before we consider what's going on with the baby? We have to consider the mom too. We have to feed the baby, right? That's always the first priority is feeding the baby, preferably by mom's milk. If mom's milk isn't available and there's donor milk, that's amazing. If not, it has to be formula. So we have to figure out how we're going to feed the baby. But while we're figuring out how to feed the baby, we have to say, well, what's going on with mom's milk? And what's going on with mom's health? Is she sleeping? Is she eating? Is she drinking enough water? Um, is her emotional state, how are her adrenals, is she worn out, right? So we have to look at this as a whole system. What support systems does she have, right? Is she worried because she's got to go to back to work in three weeks? Does she have other children? Does she have somebody to help her with meals and laundry? Is, you know, there a supportive partner? And all these things are what we look at, right? If I suggest to this family right away that this baby needs a surgery, because that's all that a parent will hear when you talk about a procedure is, wait, my baby needs surgery? Um, It can be really overwhelming. So we try to get all the other things in place first. Now, the other reason we don't rush into the procedure is because we want to make sure that even if there appears to be a tongue tie, it's the tongue tie or the lip tie that's actually causing the problem with breastfeeding. I'm going to try and not get sad as I tell you the story of someone who was in my office a couple of months ago. And I'll call this mom Diana and I'll call the baby Adam. So Diana called me up. Diana was a friend, someone like an acquaintance. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I knew she was pregnant, but I didn't talk to her while she was pregnant. And um, Diana called me up and said, my baby's born. I can't get him to breastfeed. And I'm in a lot of pain. I tried to pump and no milk is coming out. And it was like day five. So I said, okay, Diana, what what else is going on? She said, well, I know it's not the tongue tie because we already got that fixed. So I said, all right, come into the office. They come into the office and um, Diana had had a traumatic birth. I'll put that mildly. She had a preterm preeclampsia, meaning her blood pressure went really, really high she had to have an emergency C-section. The baby was 30, 
I believe 36 and change, maybe a little bit less than that. I'm kind of clouding the, the details so I don't identify this particular patient because I see this often, right? But in this case, so mom is now only six days post-op, not even a week after traumatic birth, still on blood pressure medication, still really swollen, milk has not come in yet, but she already had a tongue tie release by a laser dentist. And the only reason why she snuck past him and he did the procedure was because she told him that she was my patient. Ah, Big sigh here because if I had seen Diana, I would not have sent Adam for phrenectomy, phrenotomy to this dentist, not yet. Because the tongue tie was the least of their problems. Diana had delayed milk coming in, so there was nothing for that baby to nurse on. And now, not only is she recovering, her and her poor um, husband are, he's dealing with her recovering from her C-section, recovering with her blood pressure, still not healthy and still on the edge of danger, The baby had surgery and now they're doing stretches and not, you know, even when they could sleep, they're waking to stretch the baby. But the whole time they have no breast milk. So he's getting formula and some donor milk, right? So bottle feeding. And we all know that it's ideal to breastfeed after phrenotomy. That's a a story for another podcast. So poor Diana Um, I felt so bad for her and I had to explain to her that yes, she did everything she thought was the right thing, but we had to back up, spend lots of time healing her, healing her nipples, healing her, her other medical concerns, helping her establish a milk supply, set up a pumping schedule, teach her about lots of skin to skin, let her heal, let the baby heal and then consider if we wanted to do phrenotomy again because this was just a couple of days after the procedure and the baby's tongue tie was already reattaching. So it was, it was I, I don't want to say the word that I would call it SS <laughs> is my New York language for what, what went on for poor um, Diana and Adam and Adam's dad. Um, I hope there will be a happy ending. It's still in transit, um, but it does not seem like they're going to have a successful breastfeeding relationship. So even if, let's get back to my focus, if we go, if we use the parameter of a successful outcome is successful breastfeeding, this was not a successful outcome, even if Adam's frenum heals beautifully, right? Even if he doesn't any longer have a tongue tie, quote unquote, visible, he will not have had a successful outcome because we need the breastfeeding to open up the oral cavity, to develop the oral uh, complex, to develop, to work on that developing airway, to get the jaw motion going, to get the cheek muscles strong, to have the the, uh, function of the tongue working efficiently because we need that tongue to form the bones of the face and neck and the airway and all that good stuff. Much more coming on airway. 
keep keep tuned in to the podcast because I have a lot more coming on airway. So if you're listening to me saying, Lisa, I thought this was about breastfeeding and you're talking about airway, stay tuned because we're going to make those connections really soon. <laughs> in the fall, um, I'll, I'm planning some really exciting guests and um, I have some exciting information and um, really eye-opening information about what's really important here. What What is really the outcomes that we're looking for and it has more to do with your overall health for the lifespan than for a simple tongue-tie procedure. Before we wrap up today, I hope that you're hearing from me information that will be helpful and doesn't sound like I'm telling anyone they're doing anything wrong. Um, This is a very individual decision. This is a very individualized approach and a message that I hope that you take from this. Number one, what I always say is we do the best we can until we know better. And when we know better, we do better. And that's a quote from Maya Angelou. The other um, piece of information that I'd like to um, help you to come away with is that we can't have any absolutes here. We can't ever feel like this is a one-size-fits-all treatment. And if you do nothing else but step back and say, is this the right timing? Is there anything else I can do to be sure that we need this procedure? Um, Do we have concurrent treatment from the other members of the team in place? Can we wait while we help the mom heal? Can we wait while we get the baby some body work? Um, If it's an older child, can we wait while we do some myofunctional therapy? Older child or adult, right? Um, Let's not rush into anything. It's one of the the aspects of tongue-tie treatment that will give our whole field a bad name. Because if we don't continue to have successful outcomes, we will not be taken seriously, right? So let's take our time, let's take a breath, let's make sure we're doing the right thing for the right reasons, let's be confident that everything is in place to support the family, that the family is ready for the procedure, and that they understand and that they feel they've made an informed decision. Now, I get it. If you're a dentist and a family has come to your office and you see a horrible, tight frenum or frenums and they drove a long way to you and you want to be able to help them and they promise they're gonna be working with a lactation consultant, it's really hard to turn them away. I get it, I totally do. Um, But I believe that there are ways, there are ways to include education in your office, there are ways to have a functional assessment, 
you know, maybe an IBCLC that works with you for those specific patients that don't have another IBCLC. There are practices who are doing this, right? So you do the best you can, um, but don't be doing arbitrary releases without functional assessment. And a functional assessment is more than a questionnaire. It's much more than a questionnaire. It's looking at the whole person, the whole unit, the whole family dynamic, and the situation, the health of the mother, the baby, the stability of her support system, and putting it all together, right? So that was a lot. Um, I hope this was helpful to you. If you don't agree with me, if you think everybody should be assessed and released at birth, I'd love to hear about it. Shoot me an email. Lisa at lisapalladino.net. Maybe we'll even have you come on as a guest and we can talk about it because open discussion and conversation about these topics is what's going to move this field forward and get us recognized and respected. That's my opinion. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening to me. Um, I appreciate every one of you and I hope you have a beautiful day. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.